This is Pastor Frank at First Discipleship Christian Talk. Why did God give us free will? Now, in some Christian circles, this is controversial. It's not to me. It's actually pretty basic about our faith in God and who God is and what he's all about. I know that there's all different kinds of arguments, you know, when it comes to uh, Calvinism and what Calvin thought about free will and predestination and things like that. But I don't want to go too far into that. I just want to be able to cover some of the basic things about um, God's creation and how he created us unique and has given us free will. Now, I came across this article, and this is how I, you know, sometimes do podcasts, but I'm reading this article. And the article says, when God created mankind, he gave him something very unique. Man received a free will so that he could make his own choices according to his own free will. The fall occurred because man used his free will to listen to Satan. Nevertheless, the way of salvation was made by Jesus Christ with the same free will. So let's look up the Webster's definition of free will. The power of acting without constraint of necessity or fate, the ability to act at one's own discretion. Some of the synonyms are volition, independence, self-determination, self-sufficiency, autonomy, voluntary. So what I gather from having free will, I mean, if you really think about it, you're, you're basically, you can choose at your own discretion and what you actually want Sometimes people use their free will for pleasure, and basically pleasure, and the definition of pleasure, is basically having it your way. Now, I looked up free will according to Sigmund Freud, and for those who know who that is, Sigmund Freud had an opinion and a theory about free will. Freud's point is that it is most likely the case that none of us are free, since according to his theory, freedom must be acquired. To acquire it, we must be able to achieve a limited control over the unconscious determinants of our behavior. Now, even the secular agrees with our own behavior has to be regulated because of our sinful nature. Now, he's not going to admit that. And a lot of the secular thinkers that are atheists are not going to accept that or to even use that aspect of sin either. But it makes the most sense to say that sin is the problem. And really what psychiatrists and psychology and what comes from that is basically dealing with the sinful nature of man, whether they want to admit that or not. Part of dealing with this aspect of man is talking about it, which is good, but really coming to the point where what is the answer? What is the ultimate dissolving agent? So I want to go back to the second sentence of the article that I read. It says, the fall occurred because man used his free will to listen to Satan. Okay, let's um, kind of talk about that for a second. Now, we have to come to a conclusion that this world is ruled by the devil. That's just flat out. Now, I used to hear people growing up as a kid say these things, make these claims, and and I agree with them now, but then I didn't because I'm thinking like, how is that possible? Because I knew that there were good things in the world. 
I knew that there were good people in the world, specifically the ones who I used to go to church with. But then I started to realize that the people that are on the dark side of the of this world, which is the kingdom of darkness, and the ruler of that kingdom is the devil or Satan, that there's more of them than there are of us. This is what makes this world the kingdom of darkness, is because more people agree with all of this world's ideas, the manifestation of those ideas, and then they're trapped in the consequences of those ideas. You kind of have to get that. You kind of have to try to understand and look at the bigger picture of this. Now, all of this is not by somebody twisting their arm. It's because it's agreed. Everybody agrees to do things, and this is where free will comes from. So Sigmund Freud is talking about the agreement of the dark aspect of this world. A lot of people agree with lies. You're going to ask me, what does that mean? What do you mean, lies? Well, there are things that we adopt that have truth in them or woven into them, but basically are lies. Lies have to be based on some level of truths that is able to ride in on the coattails of basic truths. And our free will and volition agree with those things. Now, this is why it pays to read the Bible. It pays to read and educate yourself about things about life and to pay attention and to learn from those things. Recalling your mistakes are actually a good thing. Trying to put them behind you is good, but then it's also detrimental if you're not using it as a way to correct. Now, if you're asking the question, what exactly does following this world or being agreement in agreement with this world and believing lies or trying to find a way to navigate through this world and becoming good at it? There are so many categories to learn about this world and to navigate in this dysfunction. One of the things that I thought was interesting and I was looking for a really good explanation is I have a friend that I talk to all the time and and I told him he needs to start a podcast, but he doesn't think so, but he's a very intelligent man. I have a lot of respect for his um, the way he thinks. He gave me a good platform to start with and it's called the Female Delusion Calculator. This has nothing to do with putting down anybody. This is just what people think. These are the ideas. So this is some females or a category of females. This is a calculator that they use when finding a man. So this is one of the things that they look for. Uh, Age, race, height, and income. And based on those things in America, and this is not every country, but in America, these are some of the things that they look for. Now, not all women do this, okay? But some do. And the ones that do, they make a big deal about it. One of the things that is sad about this calculator, is it is delusional because what is calculated and the man that comes out in this calculation is a very small percentage of men in America. Extremely small percentage. 
Now, where does this idea come from? Where does the ideal man in America come from? Who, who set those standards? And why is it that standard? Now, you can add this to a lot of different things. This I just picked this because it was something that was already developed. As people have already talked about this and, and have developed this type of conversation. But I want to bring it back to free will. Now, like I said, you have the choice to make a decision to believe in things. And I was talking about this world and the culture here we have in the United States. Not everybody does this, but it's very unique in the United States because we have so many freedoms. Now, free will and the desire for free will is what the United States is all about. But when you get comfortable, and the United States has a lot of money, we're taken care of because they have money for for every class of people for either tax cuts or they have some kind of government assistance to some degree. It may not be a great lifestyle. You can live off it, but it's available. Our country is unique. And having such a good place to live in I don't have to worry about getting food every day. I don't have to worry about getting water every day. They're just basic necessities that I just don't have to worry about. So when you're making better decisions, your lifestyle goes up. The quality of it goes up. And when the quality of your lifestyle goes up, you get freed up of time. Because money in its right place, will give you time. Some people are, they have more time than money. And sadly, sometimes they have more money than time. But when things are put in the right place, based on good decision making, which God does give us in the Bible, we're able to focus on things that are necessary, a necessity, things like family relationships, and we do it in the name of love. Now, the same way happens also for the secular or for the ones that are in this world. Those same principles can be added to a secular life with the culture and the ideas of this culture, and finances will free them up to do the things that they desire to do. Now, as Christians, our desire is to help other people. This goes along with time taken because sometimes we have to take time away from the things that we are functional in in order to help people. And also with our free time, we help people. And also we take away from our recreational time to help people. But in the secular, you don't have a reason or or morality or ethic to be selfless. I would say nine times out of 10, maybe eight times out of 10, You'll have those few rare occasions where you have philanthropists or people who do good things for people will take away from those times in order to help, but that's not likely. Now, when a a secular person, a person that doesn't believe in God or who believes in God but doesn't practice what God has for us, will use cultural goals, and I'll give you a couple And it's very common, I think everybody has heard this, that the American dream is to go to school, 
get a good education, apply for a job, get a job that pays well, make money, save money, get into a relationship, either marriage or boyfriend-girlfriend, acquire property, a car or cars, have a family, raise that family, and start the process all over again by saving money to send your kids to school and then give them a good start. This, in a nutshell, is the American dream. Nothing wrong with that, but it's just not conducive to salvation, repentance, and what God has given us the free will to choose. Now, the principles that I just named, anybody can do, Christian or atheist. These are principles that, if followed, just prove that God's wisdom is great. This is why I say that we're all plagiarists at best, because Solomon said it best, there's nothing new under the sun. So we take our free will to do these things. Free will is so that we can live a type of lifestyle that we want. Now, we're given two choices. We're given it to this world, or we're given it to God. Even though that we're in this world, we're not of this world. That's the Christian model of on this take of free will. Now, through the uh, whole uh, Hebrew Bible or Old Testament, we read the choices that the children of Israel has made. And in every time, there it ends up in some kind of an exile when they go away from God. God always sends a prophet to tell them to come back to him. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. This is all free will. So you have individual free will and you have national free will. This is what is exemplified in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. And it's not that they're just told one time, they're told continuously through the years. You could read the book of Jeremiah, and you'll see the individual will of the king and the individual will of each person that are named, and then you could see the national free will is pretty much what impeachment is all about. So the ways of this world is basically cultural. It's what people agree upon. There's secular cultural advice that people listen to all the time. But that advice is based on dysfunction. I mean, just using this as a very raw example, how do you stop your wife or your husband from cheating on you? Well, there that just that question alone, you can come up, there are so many ways that people have answered that particular question, and none of it's in the Bible. But yet, as Christians, we sometimes use those answers and cultural dysfunctional answers and apply it to our lives. So let me go through the, the what our free will also can do and what we can choose to listen to and also to apply and manifest. I'm taking this from Dennis Prager, which I have a lot of respect for. I don't agree with everything he says, but I think this is really, really good. And so I'm quoting him. The Eighth Commandment, do not steal, is unique in that it encompasses all the other commandments on the second tablet. Murder is the stealing of another person's life. Adultery is the stealing of another person's spouse. Giving false testimony is stealing justice. And coveting is the desire to steal what belongs to another person. This commandment is unique in another way. It is the only completely open-ended commandment. All the other commandments are specific. The fifth commandment, 
for example, states whom one must honor, one's parents. The sixth commandment, prohibiting murder, is only about taking the life of an innocent human being. The seventh commandment, prohibiting adultery, is also specific to a married person. Two unmarried people cannot commit adultery. But the commandment against stealing doesn't even hint at what it is we are forbidden to steal. It means we cannot take anything that belongs to another person. I thought that was very interesting and how he summed up the Ten Commandments in a way where we can understand how it works. It's not the final word on understanding the Ten Commandments, but I think it's very good. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if you the Ten Commandments came from God himself by the finger of God himself. The Torah, which is 613 laws minus 10, is 603. If you take a look at the 603 laws that are after the Ten Commandments, like 11 through 613, are all based on the first 10. So my question is, at what point in time did we discard these laws? I want to also mention that the Torah means instruction. It doesn't mean law. So it's a daily walk. That's why there's 613. In the time of the 40-year wandering that the children of Israel went through before they got to the Promised Land with Joshua, dealt with a large majority of the things that we should be wary of. Some of the laws are definitely not applicable. One, because there's no more temple, and then two, it was cultural. But then there are objective ones, like how we to deal with business. And I'm just going to give you a couple here. Now, this one on the site that I'm reading it from is uh, the Torah, and it says 499. Now, I told you there's 613 laws. Now, reading from the website that I'm referring to here, this is 499 ninth. Buy and sell according to the Torah law, 500 not to overcharge or underpay for an article. 502, or 502nd, not to cheat a sincere convert monetarily. The 518th law says, pay wages on the day they were earned. 519th, not to delay payment of wages past the agreed time. 526th law, Lend to the poor and destitute. 527th law. Not to press them for payment if you know they don't have it. You see, and I can go on and on and on. Now, like I said, not every one of these laws are going to apply for today. Some are cultural. Some have to do with the temple and the priests and the sacrificial system. Now, if we shift gears... In Leviticus 19.18, it says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In Zechariah chapter 8, verse 17, it reads, Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath for all these things that I hate, says the Lord. So if you really think about it, 
we have the decision making, the free will, the volition to choose these commands, which basically protect us from the results and the manifestation of worldly thinking. Worldly thinking starts with ideas. God has basically given us information, ideas, eternal truths, absolutes, in order to navigate this world. This world is against God. Of course, it's not going to listen to what he has to say or what we have to say when he speaks. Our lives should be a result of his statutes, his commands, his righteousness, his words. So when it comes to free will and volition, these are the two sides you have to choose from. You're either going to choose the cultural aspect of this world, which it differs in every single country. And culture also is within our family unit or within our family last name or our ethnicities. There's culture in every single thing that we experience in life. Ethnic pride. I'm not sure if that's biblical. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, it talks about how God created man. And I think if you really start studying your Bible, that you will see that we are men and women before God, before anything else. I just happen to be a Native American and Mexican descent. But when God judges me, he's going to judge me on being a man. Now, I have a free will and volition to choose God, to choose his ways, to choose the lifestyle that that creates in me. And if it becomes detrimental to me, well, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. In John chapter 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. It goes on to say, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. First John 3.13 reads, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brethren abides in death. Whoever hates his brethren is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The list goes on with scriptures. The list goes on with the truth and the reasoning of scriptures. It doesn't take long for someone to figure out that our free will and volition makes a difference. Now, there are people who are right in the middle, Revelations 3.16 says, So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Which means that as people with free will and volition, we create the lukewarm aspect. I, I tell this to people in the exact same example, is that you're either black or white, so there's no gray. And if there is a gray area, it's we, we're the ones who create the gray area. And this is where a lot of people live, in the gray area. Now, when you're hot for the Lord, you're going to be out doing his will, doing His, doing the Father's business. You're going to be consistently doing what we are called to do. And then there are those, and this is not to put anybody down, but then there are those who are Christians 
who are basically overfed babies in the church still being spoon-fed when they should be eating meat. So those are the ones who are still sitting in the pews, not following their call, not operating inside of their gifts. This is the truth, not a put-down. It is to help you wake up and to become conscious of what God wants you to do. Now, you may think you don't have a call. Within your free will and volition and within your choosing and within what you can choose to do, you could choose today because today is the day of salvation. You could either choose God or you could choose the enemy. Matthew chapter 12 verse 30 says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And if you really read that scripture, it's all about free will and volition. You could either do one or the other. And these are the choices. You could either be for the kingdom. Now, let me tell you how you can be for the kingdom. If you are dealing with like some issues with a belonging or some social issue of rejection and lack the confidence to do something for God for whatever reason it is, and I'm not downplaying those phobias, but I will say how you can help is supporting those who actually are doing something. It is this, it, you are doing your part. So there you can be an intercessor prayer and for prayer for uh, other people. You can support them financially. You could support them by donating things like a vehicle or clothes or something. You know, there's so much. I mean, it, it's endless. If you take a look at the book of Acts and the burgeoning church, the, the, the infantile church of the book of Acts, the first church from Jerusalem and then into the world after 70 AD, you're going to see exactly what I'm saying. It's exactly what they were doing, supporting one another, going out in twos and threes. This is something that that it's not a secret. This has been in the Bible for a long time, and everything that I'm giving you is scriptural. So you have a decision to make. Now, you could not make a decision, which is a decision, and you can kind of be a closet Christian and do whatever you think and, and just kind of be a good person and get by, and then you might be able to get into heaven and you might be able to be there in the new heavens, the new earth, and you might be, you know, barely on that side but when you could have done more. All I'm asking to do is to read, to find out where you're at, why God created you, why he gave you free will, to make a choice, to build the kingdom of God or to scatter it. I hope you make the choice to build the kingdom of God. I want to thank you for listening, for supporting First Discipleship and Christian Talk. This is Pastor Frank. God bless.